empower us to be your hands and your feet on the earth. And we just ask for an outpouring, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit today, Lord. And we come with open hands and open hearts to receive it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Almighty God, you all hearts are open. All desires known and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart, and I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit.
Let us pray together to Colette. Almighty God, on this day you opened the way of eternal life to every race and nation by the promised gift of your Holy Spirit. Shed abroad this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel, that it may reach to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Children, please come. You may be seated. Hoorah! <laughs> you ready? All right. Hey. And the army assembles. Please pray with me as we uh, pray over and bless these children as they head off to Sunday school today to be equipped, armed, and ready. Heavenly Father, we ask you to continually watch over all these young people, Lord. You would fill their hearts and minds with the love of you, that you would fill them with courage and wisdom, Lord, that they would always fight the battles for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First reading this morning, excuse me, is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 1, commencing. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, They are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. 
the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 104, commencing at verse 13. Let us read responsively by the half verse. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man. And he may bring forth food from the earth. And wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine. And bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. Where the birds make their nests, the sword has her bones in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are refuge for the rock riders. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness and it is night. You make all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey. And seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together. And lie down in their beds. Man goes out to his work. And to his labor until the O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possession. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning. This morning's New Testament reading comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. The word of the Lord.
gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Lord, we come before you this morning 
We're open to the ways that you want to move in our hearts. We're open to the ways you want to change us, transform us, empower us, and send us. So, Lord, I pray that as we dive into your word, the story of how you birthed your kingdom on earth through the church, I pray that you would just open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear the things you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I'm reading this book. Well, it's a series of books. I think there's like six or seven. I'm very much enjoying them. It's this sci-fi, and it's about these, you know, superhuman, genetically modified uh, people. It's supposed to be, you know, a thousand years in the future or whatever, and they've conquered all the planets in the solar system and terraformed them, and there's millions and billions of people, and they've got all this power. But as every human society in the history of the world, it's uh, filled with slaves, It's filled with wicked and deceitful men. It's filled with people who are abusing their power. And there's these great power dynamics between the elites and the the people. It's called the golds is the name for these superhuman rulers. And the the reds are the scum of the earth, you know, that they have mining um, the materials as slaves. And there's this great story of this red who gets adopted by this splinter group and they're going to take back the world, make it equal, fix the world, and he gets transformed to this killing machine who goes out and leads a rebellion and uh, overthrows the hierarchy. And then they set up the Republic that's going to save the world. And that's the end of the first trilogy. And the next trilogy is the Republic didn't work. And now he's got to save the world again because the Republic didn't work. Do you know why? Because it was run by humans. I don't know about you, but we just don't do all that great with making perfection. And that's what Pentecost is all about. Every human culture in the history of the world has tried to bring about the kingdom of God. And in Pentecost, God comes to make his kingdom on earth. Amen? And the only reason that it works... And for 2,000 years, we've seen that it does is because it's led by the Holy Spirit. And so we got to start today with this idea that this is a story of how God saved the world. Not a story. In fact, I was kind of toying with the idea of changing the title of my series that we're in. We're in this series called The Acts of the Apostles, and we're going to run through the beginning of the church, what we see in the book of Acts. And I almost want to change it to The Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because that's really what's being documented here. Now, the human element, oddly enough, is necessary. If I were God, I would eliminate that human element from my plans. Because believe it or not, even with God in us, we still make mistakes. We still run into issues. But God is so good that he wants to bring his kingdom to earth through you, wicked sinner Wicked sinners saved by, ga- by grace, transformed by the Holy Spirit, building the kingdom of God. That's what Pentecost is about, is that God didn't want to do it himself, although he has every power to do so. He wanted to make us like him, going out into the world, bringing peace, bringing health, bringing forgiveness, bringing life, bringing the kingdom. 
So when we go to the gospel, you might say, well, didn't we just read this gospel a few weeks ago where Jesus comes into the room, the doors are locked? It's the same story as we read on Easter. What's going on here? What we're doing is we're remembering what Jesus told the disciples to do, the apostles to do. And so on Pentecost, don't you know, these disciples, these apostles would have been thinking, oh, this is what Jesus meant. So let's read real quickly what Jesus says when he meets the disciples on his resurrection day, when their whole world gets transformed by the risen Christ. In John chapter 20, verse 21, it says, "Peace." Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. First, I'll point out that this peace, we had a whole, I had an opportunity to talk about this in a sermon. It's, it's shalom, it's wholeness, it's fullness that they're supposed to carry with them. This is the peace that Jesus wants the disciples to operate out of. It's very simple in psychology terms. It means more than this, but at the very least it means this. Have you ever made a decision out of stress? And how good have your decisions out of stress been? For me, I have a pretty bad track record when I decide that my fear, my stress, my anxiety is where I'm going to operate out of. And so at the very least, what Jesus is saying is operate out of the peace which I will give you that surpasses all understanding. And if you see these situations that the apostles are thrown into, where they are literally being asked to die for their faith, could they do it without supernatural peace? I don't think so. This peace is not the chill, relaxed dude. This is the empowering, I carry the presence of God with me. What man shall I fear? Right? And so when we look at this, that's a part of what receiving the Holy Spirit's all about. It's integral that you have a peace which surpasses all understanding that will keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Now, we have Jesus breathing on the disciples. And there's three images that were given in the, of the Holy Spirit that I want to touch on in these stories. First of all is the breath. And of course, that brings you back to the garden. In fact, what Jesus is doing when he's breathing on them is he's recreating them. He is making them that new man. He is inviting them to participate in his resurrection. He is breathing new life into them, recalling the breath that God made when God sculpted man in his image and breathed life into him. The Holy Spirit of God breathing into the disciples. And then we have these other two that you'll keep your eye out. They're coming up soon. It's the the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Remember back in Exodus when God led the Israelites through the wilderness? They followed the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Well, in the Pentecost, what, how did the Holy Spirit come? He came as a rushing wind and as tongues of fire. And what's the message? The tempest, the pillar of cloud is within you. The fire is within you. He had to have a pillar of cloud by day so they could see it and a pillar of fire by night so that they could see it in the dark. You have that within you. There is no place that you go where God will not guide you. 
There's no place you will go where you're ever lost when you have the Holy Spirit with you. So think about this. Uh, Think about these three images, and we sang about them. It's so powerful. The wind is the thing that opened the Red Sea so that Israel could cross. All of us have impossible things in our life. I don't think any of us are asking God to part a Red Sea. That's a pretty impossible idea. Go down to the ocean and just say, God, make a path. It's not going to happen. And yet we come up and we have our car broke down and we can't afford another one. And, you know, our wife is mad at us. Not really. She's great. Um, but uh, there's, there's these things that come up in our life that we look and we, we despair so easily. My friends don't like me. They didn't invite me to that party. Whatever it is, we get this despair. And it's like, no, you have the rushing wind that parts the ocean and allows you to walk through. You have the power of God within you. So what are we to use this power for? Well, what does Jesus say when he says receive the Holy Spirit? He talks to them about forgiveness. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why does he jump straight to forgiveness? He has like three lines as he's opening up to tell them, I am risen, the new world has come. And within those three lines, the majority of the words, if you look at each line, are about forgiveness. Why? Well, I just want to push it out there. We tend to like to focus in the church as we're so holy on the whole fact that we can retain the sins of any. See, Jesus cared that we would condemn the world, right? That's part of our job. We have to retain the sins. Is our job any different than Jesus's job? And it says very clearly, Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. And who are you to retain the sins of any when Jesus on the cross as they were crucifying him? I know Becky's been real mean to you lately or Johnny or Jack, but they aren't crucifying you. Jesus from that position said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And even more, that God-like power of forgiveness. What did, when did Jesus talk about forgiveness? When did he teach on it? Well, There's this guy that gets lowered through a roof. You remember? He's completely lame. He can't walk. And so his friends are like, we've got to get him to Jesus. They cut a hole in the roof and they lower him down. Get yourself some friends like that. Let me tell you. They are making a way to bring him to Jesus. What do you think we're supposed to be doing to the world? We're supposed to be making a way to bring them to Jesus. That's a side note. But he he lowers them down and he says, your sins are forgiven. Everybody loses their minds. You can't say that. That's God's authority alone. Jesus says, what's easier to say? Forgive your your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk. What do we see in Acts? The people of the church are given the power to say both. Your sins are forgiven and take up your bed and walk. That's the spirit that's in you. That's what we're called. That's what Pentecost is about. In fact, the motto in this sci-fi series I'm reading that they have for the revolution is break the chains. And they do it by fighting and violence and all this stuff. The motto of Pentecost is go out and break the chains with the Holy Spirit-empowered love, the truth, the way. Bring people to Jesus. Break the chains. Bring healing. Bring forgiveness. So what are we doing by the power of the Holy Spirit? 
Are we creating the best company in the world because we've got a direct line to God and he's given us some like real good insight on how to fix things? Maybe, maybe that's somebody's call. But at the very least, I know that the call of God is to forgive the sins of the world. That's the church's job. Not because we have power, but because the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead is within us. We have a job to do. So the apostles are being prepared to do this work by Jesus. He's framing the entire thing in that light because you know what? They're going to be killed. And their friend's going to be beaten. And their family is going to be locked up. And what is your first reaction if they touch your family? Revenge. I'm going to take those guys out. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, this was actually addressed by Jesus early on. We had a couple of disciples, and they're like, hey, that city wasn't nice to us. You want us to call down the fire of God on them? And Jesus goes, you don't get it. And that's where he says, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So think about this. Jesus is framing their entire ministry, their entire purpose, in the light of forgiveness. He's doing this because he knows that they're going to have a lot to forgive. And yet, like we read last week, what did Peter say? He said, don't be surprised when you suffer in this world. And yet we go out into the world and we're like, man, why is my life so hard? Why are these people so mean? Why are they? Because it's, that's the way the world is. But I have an answer for you. I can't tell you why everybody's so mean. You know, everybody has their own reasons. The fallen world, that stuff's fine. But you know what matters more is that it's our job to forgive by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Stephen, the first martyr, and we'll talk about him at some point in this series, had the power, unbelievable power, that when people were picking up stones to kill him, he also said, Father, forgive them. People don't do that. Not without God's empowering gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Let's talk about what happened on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So think about this ragtag bunch of 11 people. We've got this beautiful icon in the back, and they all look so holy, right? These are the same people who ran away from Jesus when he died, locked themselves in a room, and were in total fear of the Jews and thought, well... I guess Jesus was wrong. At the first sign of persecution, even though he told them, I will raise again, they gave up. They just were over it. They're like, this is over. We're all going to probably die. Let's try and escape somehow. Those people are sitting in a room praying because they saw Jesus and then he disappeared. They were walking with him for 50 days and then he ascended into heaven. For 40 days and he ascended into heaven. And now they're like, God, what are you doing? And they're looking through the scriptures. We actually skip a little story about how Peter's finding references into scriptures and, to, and saying, like, this, is, this must be what's happening now. And they're starting to understand there's something bigger going on here. And they're sitting there, and they've picked another uh, disciple in case you look at the icon, and you're like, there's not 11, there's 12. Well, they've picked another guy to replace Judas, and they're looking in one accord. They're gathered in unity seeking God. And just like today, God shows up. When the people of God gather and they seek Him, God shows up. Now, you don't get to determine how He shows up. 
Maybe he shows up by telling you that you probably shouldn't have watched so much Netflix last week and you need to give it up. Maybe he shows up by healing your sprained ankle. Maybe he shows up by impressing on you the love that you have for your kids and your family. But God shows up when we come and we seek him. And then in Pentecost, they're sitting there and they're praying and the Holy Spirit comes in verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they're sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is what the Bible is all about. I think I've said that like seven times in a sermon about totally different stories. But they're all about this central concept, right? I wasn't wrong the other times. It's like the Bible is this beautiful document where the crucifixion is the center of the Bible. The resurrection is the center of the Bible. Christmas is the center of the Bible. All of these things. And the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in man, that's the center of the Bible. It is the completion of God's work in his incarnation, right? Because why did God, why was he born on Christmas? What do we say? Because God was going to dwell with men. But guess what? Jesus only dwelled with like 150 people, right? So think about this. What does God need to do to dwell with all men? He needs to send his Holy Spirit that can be within us and on us. And work through us. Now there's billions of Christians. And every one of them has God dwelling with them and within them. That's the power of Pentecost. This is God's plan all along. And so we see that God is now dwelling with men. Hallelujah. You are now God's vessel. That means I was listening to the story of this hospice nurse. And I can't imagine a more difficult job. I mean, I can imagine ones that are as difficult, but more difficult? I don't think so. They're being with people as they die, as their families have to say hello or say goodbye. And even worse is their families don't come to say goodbye. And they're with them day in and day out. And she was just sharing about how she gets to bring God into the room in the presence of tragedy and death. That's the power of Pentecost. And I'm driving on the road and somebody cuts me off and I don't know if I bring the power of God into that moment. (laughs) I often bring a different spirit, one of accusation and anger. (laughs) But there's something that we could all learn, not just from the simplicities of our job, but you are the answer in somebody's life. Somebody needs God and you're going to run into them. In fact, everyone needs God, but some people need you to bring God into their life. That's Pentecost. Okay, let's keep going. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, a multitude came together. This was a loud rushing wind. It wasn't like, no, it was like shaking the house. People are coming from all over. Like, what happened? And they're coming and then they're bewildered because they're hearing their own language. And they were amazed and astonished and said, Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? So this is the accomplishing work of the Holy Spirit. 
which is the uniting spirit, the one that allows you to speak one to another. Let me talk about this in the sense of the, the, you guys remember that story, the Tower of Babel. It's one of the greatest in the Bible. It just sticks with you because it's so true. All these people get together and they're like, we're going to build a tower to heaven. And then God's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. And he scatters them and they're all dis, you know, disunited. They're scattered. They've lost the ability to communicate one to another. And that whole problem I was talking about in the sci-fi book where they can't figure out how to build a society that can be good, it's because when people try and get together, division occurs through the fall, through our brokenness, our humanity comes out. But the Holy Spirit rewrites that story in Pentecost. God builds a tower to earth. We're building towers to heaven, and God's like, no, I'm building a pathway to earth. I'm coming to you. You don't have to come to me. I'm bringing my kingdom here. And in the midst of that, he unites the people. He brings people from every nation under heaven. Luke uses that word, that phrase specifically. He's saying the work that's happening here is that now there can be unity among men again through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the languages thing. We can kind of get caught up on this. Like maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit because tongues, you know, you're not able to speak. And then, you know, this guy in Italy understands you. This guy in Africa understands you. You know, we can get caught up on the whole idea that while they were speaking all these different languages, they heard their own language. That was a miracle on Pentecost. Great. God can do it anytime. But there's a deeper reality to what's going on. And I will illustrate it in the simplest of ways. We have all had conversations with people that we care about where we talk completely past one another. I say to Haley, Haley, I noticed that my laundry wasn't done. Haley thinks, Jesse is telling me how much he's upset with me that my laundry wasn't done. I think I'm offering to do my laundry. I said the same thing. It's interpreted in two different ways. One of them could result in unity and flourishing and peace. And one of them results in, well, not unity and not flourishing and not peace. I watched this movie the other day about this couple uh, breaking up and they were married and it's, you know, just the most tragic thing you've ever seen. Because they're saying words and the other person's hearing something completely different. And they do an excellent job in this movie of illustrating that point. I think this is just a problem, period, in every human relationship all the time. We say words and we hear different things. And we need the Holy Spirit to bring that koinonia, that fellowship, that unity in the church. Did you know I've even heard people in this room say things to me? that I was upset about. Even us holy Christians. And yet, the Holy Spirit convicts us. It brings us together. It unites us. It lets me, like I mentioned last week, when I'm sensing and I come out and I bow to you. What am I bowing to? I'm bowing to God's Spirit in you. Christ in you. We are all the same. We are all connected. We are all empowered by the Holy Spirit to love one another, to speak the same language. English, Spanish, it doesn't matter. It's talking about a connection, a unity that can come only when you give yourself to the Holy Spirit. So what are we doing here in this church? We're growing, we're building, we're having these fire nights that are so powerful. People are being prayed for, people are being healed, people are being set free, people are being empowered, activated. The same way as we saw in Acts. 
We see these people who are activated. But what's so beautiful about the story in Acts is that they didn't stay in the upper room. They walked outside. They said, look at this crowd of people who need to know the goodness of God. Thank you for the mighty wind that drew everybody. Let me preach a sermon. Let's tell them what's going on. We're going to dive into Peter's sermon another time. It is beautiful. It is wonderful. It is awesome. But I just want to pull out a few things for us to hold on to this morning. Some promises that God has given us through Pentecost. We're going to jump straight to when he talks about what Joel says. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So what does that word mean, prophesy? Because apparently we're all supposed to be doing it. What does it say? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Raise your hand if you're neither a son or a daughter. None of us. So we're all supposed to prophesy. Did you know that? Every one of us has the Spirit of God in us. So what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to get up there and say, and then I saw a mountain, and the mountain had a crack, and then the tree grew up from the crack. That's not what prophecy is. Yes, it can take that form. Yes, we see in the Bible these beautiful poems that come out of the prophetic Word of God. But what is prophecy simply? It is speaking into a situation... God's perspective by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. So somebody comes to you and they're hurting and, you know, they're saying, you know, man, I really am just wrestling with this spirit of depression. And you pray for them and you get this picture of the sun coming up uh, on the horizon. And you say, you know, I just see the sun coming up on the horizon. And they're like, whoa, I feel like I need, I've been living in darkness and now the spirit is there and it raises it up. I use that as just a random example. But I've seen that happen again and again and again and again. Your prayer, your words, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are the key to what God's doing in the life of that person. So why aren't we doing it all the time? Why not? Now, I will say, yes, we get it wrong sometimes. We're humans. Absolutely. But it will never hurt for you to ask the Holy Spirit while you pray for somebody, is there something you want to say? I know my words are not as good as his. We've been practicing it in home group, and we've seen great times, and we've seen okay times, and we've seen, but we've never seen anything, knock on wood, okay, I don't really care about the wood. What I really care about, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we've never seen anything that hasn't spoken life into these situations. And you learn how to do it, and you get good at it. It's like learning a new language. You have to practice. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you start to recognize, oh, that's what you're saying. Oh, that's the prophetic voice in this situation. Maybe you feel scared to practice it with people you don't know. Practice it with your wife. Practice it with your best friend. The Holy Spirit is meant to empower us to act differently. Okay, we're all going to prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Let me just say this. Everyone here needs a vision for their life. There's an epidemic in our culture of apathetic, lost 
confused young people. The old people aren't doing much better, but let's just focus on the young people. In our culture, we see so many people who have no idea what to do. Well, you need a vision. And you need one from the Holy Spirit. Not from the world, not from your career counselor, not from whatever. Not from YouTube, whatever it is. You need the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit can move through a YouTube video, through a career counselor, through all those avenues. But you've got to ask Him. You've got to seek Him. Seek and you will find. This is a promise. You will see a vision of what God wants you to do. Okay. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now you know God is moving when your old men start dreaming dreams. Because throughout life, we tend to get the dreams beaten out of us. Because we didn't get that house, or we didn't get that job, or we didn't restore that relationship, or whatever it is. We tend to stop dreaming. Everyone here is called to be a dreamer. A dreamer by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've met some dreamers who are not operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. They are living in a pseudo-reality of their own making. Don't be them. Ask God to give you dreams for your future. He wants life and life abundantly for you, and His dreams are way better than yours. I want to write a story someday, a fantasy tale, and it's going to be full of my dreams, hopefully shaped by God. But you know what? For my life, I'd rather have His. I can dream about fantastical ideas, but God can dream things into reality. He can speak over your life and He can give you dreams that are things to hold on to that will shape the steps you take that will lead you to the kingdom of God. Dreams and visions. Now I will say, right, there's not really a clear distinction. You look at the commentaries, there's like, he's making a poetic point that both the young men and the old men have equal access to the Spirit and should be operating from the Spirit's perspective. We make some delineations. We're like, well, only old men can dream dreams. And what you're saying is a vision. No, that's not it at all. It's like God wants to shape your imagination so that you think with him, you see with him, you move with him, right? So let's prophesy over one another. Let's pray over our life. Let's dream together. Let's have visions for where God's taking us. And let's take the world back from the enemy. That's what we do. Jesus started it, the Pentecost initiated it, and we are completing it. That's our job. And on every male servant and female servant, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. If you didn't get it before, there is no such thing as a second-class citizen in the kingdom. Did you know that not a single person in this room has less access to God? There's no junior Holy Spirit There's no, well, he's a bishop, so he obviously has more access to God. No! Yes, God's given him authority and power to operate in his sphere of influence as our spiritual father. Thank God for it. But man, if all you ever get from God is from this pulpit or from these clergymen, you're missing out. You have access to the creator of everything that is. Life, goodness, peace, joy, the fruit of the spirit, gentleness, patience, self-control. Did you know you can control yourself? I forget that sometimes. But the Holy Spirit is so good, He can even help you control yourself. On all people, He is pouring out His Spirit. And the only limit is how far you're willing to let Him take you. 
You can absolutely limit God in your life if you want. I do it on a regular basis, and he tells me about it. <laughs> he, if you seek him, he will lead you, and he will say, don't do that, don't do that. That just takes you away from where I'm taking you. And then he'll empower you to do all the other things. Today, as we talk about Pentecost, I want you to ask God, God, where are you in my life? I want you to ask him, God, what are you doing in me? And if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit in your life, if there's anybody here who feels that they need a fresh outpouring, that they've never felt that goodness, or they just don't know what's going on in their life, we will pray for you. Again and again, we're going to see in this book that the elders of the church laid their hands on people. They were filled with the Spirit. And then they went out and they established the kingdom of God and their lives were forever changed. And the church for 300 years was slaughtered and grew exponentially. We have difficulty growing when we offer free lunch at church. It's because it's not about the worldly benefits. It's all about His Spirit. If you feel like church is boring, you need the Holy Spirit. If you church, feel like church isn't good enough, you need the Holy Spirit. If you feel like your life is failing, you need the Holy Spirit. There's just one answer. God in you, your hope of glory. Amen? That's all I got today. The Holy Spirit is in you. Ask Him to reveal Himself. And if you need prayer, come up after the service, get prayer. God will fill you. Amen? Let's continue this morning with the uh, prayers of the people. Brothers and sisters, God has proven his faithfulness once again by sending his Holy Spirit. Therefore, let us approach him with confidence for our needs and for those of the world that the church will remain faithful and obedient to God's word and calling. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That we will remember the suffering church and those on the mission field with our prayers and resources. Lord, in your mercy, that nations will strive to live in peace with one another. Lord, in your mercy, that those who live in fear will be overcome by the peace which God only can give. Lord, in your mercy, that God will work miraculously in our lives, that our children will desire to come to know him in the deepest way. Lord, in your mercy, that we will glorify God through our obedience and bear much fruit for his kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, for our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy. Our being. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to be a thankful people for all you've done for us. Through Christ our Lord. Peace, Lord, be always with you. And with your spirit. Let us offer God one another the sign of God's peace.
All right. The Lord be with you. The other. Few announcements. I want to call out on the top of my list is graduates. I don't know what what shows and when it shows up, but congratulations to all of the St. Michael's folks that are graduating uh, around here, and you know I want to say around the world. Stephen Powers on that list, and he's like way up north, Humboldt. So yeah, just uh, pay attention to those things. We got a lot of folks in our midst that are graduating. These are great milestones. Um, if you graduated and your name is not up there, you graduated this year and your name is not up there, let me know. It's my fault. Uh, tell me, and I will repent and get your name up there. Because we want to... Exactly. We want to celebrate. <laughs> yep. Um other things coming up on our calendar I want you to be aware of. Um, there is a, a, a rummage sale for the school plan for June 17th. Volunteers needed. There you go. All the details there. Help out. That's a great thing. Uh, next up on my list is the June Jubilee. We are having a banquet for our... For our uh, like we're celebrating our school, our alumni and our teachers, and you see my wife's name up there to be pal because she's retiring from the classroom, and after 30 years, that's a big deal. Uh, it's, it's the one night for all of those kindergarten, first grade, second grade teachers to get their revenge, <laughs> or to thank her for uh, all that she did for them. So uh, we're looking forward to that. It should be a great celebration. And here's, here's another news, moving on to the next one, is the chili cook-off. On July 1st, there is and will be a chili cook-off. I've seen the pl- there's a place we're going and it's known. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but so plan for that. Put all these things in your calendar. We got a place. We got a day. What else do we need? Chili. Bring your chili. <laughs> hey, I want to I really uh, thank the men of the church. Amen. Uh, yesterday they only had their men's meeting, but they worked around the church and continue to improve this place. Amen. And I'll tell you, what I wanted to say to you, did you notice how strong the Holy Spirit was here in worship? As good as these guys are, Amen. It was the men of the church who came together yesterday that provoked it. I'm absolutely, the Lord just spoke to me when I was there at the beginning of the service. He says, given it shall be given unto you. And uh, it's funny how you you come, you do, because it's an obligation. It's It's a thing that you desire to do, perhaps. But what you need to know is given it shall be given unto you. You can't outgive God. And so it just came back to us this morning in just a smashing worship service. And uh, I want to thank every every one of you who was able to do that. Amen. 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 Let's pray for the offering. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, 
That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
We welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord made ready for those who love him, for those who want to love him even more. Come you who have much faith, come you who have little, you who've been here often and you who haven't been here long, you who've tried to follow and you who failed, you come because it's the Lord who invites you. It's his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come this morning to his table. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In fulfillment of his true promise, the Holy Spirit came down on this day from heaven, lighting upon the disciples to teach them and to lead them into all truth, uniting peoples of many tongues in the confession of one faith and giving to your church the power to serve you as a royal priesthood and to preach the gospel to all nations. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in your unending hymn of praise. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread and he gave you thanks. He broke the bread and he gave it to the disciples and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise, and he gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant. It's shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. died. 
Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of our clergy. Remember those who were sick or infirm in spirit, soul, or body. Remember this day. <clears throat> Susan and Naomi and Sandra and Sandra. Tammy and Liliana, Sherry, Jonathan, Alfred, Jerry, Bob and Nick and Sandy. <clears throat> and of course our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and all our armed services. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours. Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the peace. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb.
Well, this is an amazing Pentecost, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I know you did too. Next week, liturgy changes. We go back into ordinary times. You know, that's a great message. What's ordinary about the Christian life, right? We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. That's the truth. That's what we'll be celebrating in ordinary. Okay. Don't God, Heavenly Father, you graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Say, Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, a prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against them. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. So come on my soul Oh don't you get shy on me Lift up your soul Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit.